It is uh, the closest thing I've come to, Kyle, what you were describing with, with all the saints. Any of, any of you men go to Promise Keepers back in the heyday at, uh, at a big stadium event? And, and all those men just, I'm telling you, it was a powerful thing to, to be a part of that worship service. Today we are uh, starting our Christmas series of messages, and uh, I'm excited about that. We're calling it, Oh Come All Ye Faithful. It's from a hymn, it's a Latin hymn, hymn from the 1700s that um, we all know by heart. We just sang the chorus to it just a minute ago. I mean, we, I could start in it right now, Oh, come all ye faithful. And we, we would know it. It's, it's one of our go-tos during the Christmas season. And I highlighted the word all. Because uh, there are times and seasons in life when we're going through difficult times during this season. And not everybody comes. And so this, this series is kind of a call to all of us to come and adore him, the coming Christ child. We started a few weeks back <clears throat> in our last series, something that I have had enough feedback from our church to continue to do this, having a time of silence prior to the opening of God's word and the teaching of his, his word. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer's quote was, was simply, it said something like, hey, God, God's word should bracket the word. It should be on before the word because God should have the first opportunity to speak. And it should come at the end of the word because he, he should have the last opportunity to have the last word uh, in our hearts. Silence is something that has become important to me in my own personal life. As we started that, it's kind of come not only a habit in my quiet time, but also my day. I start my day with silence. Very rarely am I ever woken up by my alarm. Can I get an amen from anybody else like that? I mean, my brain turns on. And I'll lay there in bed, and I've, I've kind of started this routine. Okay, God before the day begins and before my brain really turns on and starts thinking about the day, I'm just going to enjoy you. The dog is sound asleep over there in her bed. Catherine's sound asleep right over here. It's just me and you. And enjoy his presence. He's not talking and I'm not talking. Just the nearness of God. I have come to enjoy that. I, I challenge you to start, start that habit. But I also finish my day that way as well. I, now, we all have routines, right? You have your same routine every morning, guaranteed. You never thought about it, but you do. You put your feet on the floor, and you go and use the restroom. You go downstairs, make your cup, pot of coffee. You come back upstairs. You shower up. You get dressed. You go down, kiss your spouse, and off you go. I, I mean, whatever it is. We all have routines. Well, I have a nightly routine just like you do. I'm usually the one upstairs first, and I get, get ready for bed. I jump in bed. I grab my little my phone or my tablet, and I play Mahjong. 
Hey, why don't y'all back off? That's my game, man. Hey, but that's how I turn my brain off every night. That's part of my routine. And, and I'll, I'll play that, and eventually I'll get to Now, while I'm playing the game, this is, y'all don't care about this and probably don't need to know this. But anyway, Catherine has uh, started her, eat, her nightly routine. She's getting ready for bed. She comes and gets in bed. And by that time, I'm starting to fall asleep. I'll give her a kiss goodnight, and, and I'll turn the tablet off and lay it down. Now. God, before silence kicks in, I'm going to give you this time. That was hard for me six weeks ago. Let me tell you why. When Catherine gets in bed, she's, she's, she's this person, and some of you are like this. I'll give her a kiss goodnight, and the position that she's laying in, eight hours later, she'll be in the same exact position. Doesn't move a muscle. Sleep. She doesn't snore, but she's sleeping. That was my visual of sleeping. Doesn't move a muscle. Well, that's not me. I'll get in bed and I'll turn, on, turn the tablet off and I'll get comfortable. And some of you are like me too. You'll, you'll get just right. And then you have an itch. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? It takes me forever to, to kind of finally say. And then I started saying, okay, God. I'm just going to stop like she does. I don't know how she does it, but she does it every night. She doesn't move a muscle. Stop. And I've literally been saying the word out loud. Have you heard me say it? Hey, just stop. God, it's me and you. I'm going to enjoy your presence. I go to sleep. Now I confess I've fallen asleep on God several times. <laughs> sound asleep. And silence has become important to me. We're about to look through this uh, Luke chapter 1 and 2 over the next four or five weeks. Just going to take the word of God and walk through this Christmas story as recorded in Luke chapter 1 and 2. But before we jump in, let's have some time of silence. So will you take this time just to enjoy the presence of God? He's not talking and you're not talking. Just enjoy his nearness. Father, we invite you to uh, speak straight to our hearts today. We ask that your word would uh, penetrate to, to those places that are hard this morning. Whether it was an argument on the way to church, whether it was frustration getting the kids ready for church, a difficult week, whatever it was, or whatever's in front of us, Lord, that in these moments we would settle our heart 
and, and be determined to hear from you. So God, we ask you to speak this morning. I pray this in your holy name. Amen. Hey, I've got the words to that hymn that I'd like, John, if you would put up on the screen those, those words. Uh, will, you, will you just read them out loud with me? We don't have to sing it. Let's just read it. Oh, come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. Oh, come ye, oh, come ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold him, born the king of angels. Let's sing it. Oh, come, let us. Oh, come, let us adore. Oh, come, let us adore. This old hymn encourages you and I, um, the faithful. Oh, come all ye faithful. It reminds us to come and adore him. And in this season of the year when, I mean, they started decorating for Christmas, what, stores did weeks ago. I mean, our culture of, of wealth has, is so determined to get us to spend our wealth and, and we're we're bombarded with that. But this hymn is a reminder to us to come and adore him, not things that we purchase in stores. To adore the king of angels. To come and behold him. So we're going to look at the Christmas story as recorded by Luke, the historian, the, the physician, the storyteller. Luke was a great storyteller. Did you know that? In Luke's gospel, there are more parables than any of the other gospels. He has more ink. Next to Paul, Luke probably has more ink than anyone else in the New Testament. Luke wrote the book of Acts, uh, full of stories, things that went on, events. Man, if you're one that likes stories, go read Acts. Luke was a great storyteller. And so we're going to, to look at his account in chapter 1 and chapter 2 over the next four or five weeks. But we're talking about the breaking of the silence. And what are we, what are we talking about here? See, Luke is writing his story, the story of Jesus' life. It had been over 400 years since God had spoken since the events that Luke is referring to in his gospel. What was going on in our country 400 years ago? Plymouth Rock? I mean, uh, the, the pilgrims and all that, they had dinner with some Indians, and we came to know that as Thanksgiving. I mean, that's how long ago. That's kind of the span, some 400 years it had been since God had spoken to his children, the people of Israel. Maybe you've heard of a man named Nehemiah. 
He was in captivity in the, with the Persian Empire, and he said, hey, man, I, I, something's on my heart. God's laid something on my heart. I need to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the wall. The king gave him permission. He goes back, and he rebuilds the wall, and he's got some contemporaries. Ezra is another person, has a book in the Bible. Malachi is another contemporary of, of Nehemiah. Malachi's book is the last book of the Old Testament, but it's also the last time God spoke. Before Luke starts talking about this. 400 years. God's people have been wanting to hear from God. Where are you? I'm ready to hear from you. Have you ever been there? Have you ever experienced the silence of God? Silence. I want to hear from him. I, I pray to him, but hadn't heard from him forever. In fact, if you have your Bibles, uh, go backwards from Luke. Mark, and then Matthew, and that Matthew is the beginning of the New Testament, and then just keep going, one more page, and you'll see Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament. The Bible is divided into two major sections, Old Testament and New Testament. Go to Malachi chapter 4. Let's look at the last words spoken. When we say God spoke, how did God speak to people in the Old Testament? Through visions, through dreams, through angels, and through prophets. Malachi was a prophet. God gave him a word, and he spoke it to the people of Israel. Now, prophets weren't necessarily popular people because usually they came with a hard word, a difficult word to hear. But some, let's just, let's just say some 430 years prior Look at chapter 4 of Malachi, verses 4 through 6. I have it on the screen and, and also on the back of your outline if, if you want to follow along. Uh, this isn't on the back of your outline. Remember the law of my servant Moses. That was an important theme in Malachi's book, is staying faithful to the law. Hey, remember the law of my servant Moses, the statutes and rules that I commanded him at Harob, for all Israel. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children, and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. Four hundred years silent. People praying, people following the, the laws of, of the servant Moses was giving, given. God's holy law, they were following it. They were praying to God. Silent. Silent. Now, in the mornings, I enjoy that silent time with God of me not trying to, to put my list in front of him praying, just silent. I, I've, I've begun to truly enjoy just the presence. But I can't do it all day long. <laughs> my day has to start. I eventually have to start talking to God. I, mean, I just can't hold it in. I got to start talking, and I got to start letting him know what's on my heart and who I'm praying for. I just, 
Silence is nice, but I can't do it all day. 400 years between Malachi and Luke. And today we're going to look at the, when, when the silence was broken, what was said. So let's read together Luke chapter 1. And this is a long passage. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have you keep your seat today. Um, but I need you to climb into the story. I will, I will give some comments along the way as we're reading, but Luke chapter 1, verses 1 through 25, it's on the back of your outline. Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that, that have been accomplished among us, just as those who were from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the, of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for, for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you've been taught. See, Luke is a historian. Luke is a storyteller. He, is, he has investigated this. He has interviewed. He wasn't necessarily one that walked with Jesus, but he has interviewed those who did. He's compiled story after story, an investigative reporter, very thorough. Luke, the physician, that was his occupation, was a thorough studier and documenter. He compiled these things in his gospel account. And he wrote it to this person named Theophilus, friend of God. Theos is the Greek word for God. Philos. Uh, we, we know that word love, Philadelphia, uh, the city of brotherly love, friend of God, Theophilus. I think that is an actual person. Some would say it's just an imaginary person. It is a, a figurative word. I believe it is an actual person because Luke addresses him again specifically at the beginning of Acts, Theophilus. That you may have certainty. Let's continue, verse 5. In the days of Herod, king of Judah, Judea, there was a high priest, I'm sorry, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in, in the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Let's stop for just a second. It took a lot of people to run the business of the temple. Therefore, they divided all the priests into 24 divisions. They were assigned to work one week, two times a year. In this story, it was Zechariah's division's turn. They were up to bat. And he was fulfilling his duty. We'll get to that in just a moment. She was barren. Infertility. It's nothing new. We all know people. There may be someone in this room that has, has found it difficult to conceive. Here's a story of a woman that, and a couple that 
couldn't conceive. Now, as we see later on, uh, there are people that, that held that against her. It must be sin in your life. You must be doing something wrong or God would bless you with a child. There's even people today that teach that, that a woman can't get pregnant because there must be sin in her life or there must be something wrong with her or this and that. Can I just tell you to look back at the text, at what it says about these two? That they were righteous before God, faithful to follow all of his commandments. Listen, these were great people. So it had nothing to do with, with sin or, or there must be some kind of... And they were both advanced in years. That'll come back in just a minute. Verse 8. Now while he was serving as priest before God when, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense and the whole multitude of people were praying outside at the hour of incense and there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense and Zechariah was troubled when he saw him and fear fell upon him let's stop let's climb into the scene let's climb into the picture at the temple He's up at the church house. He's back there in the room at the altar of incense. And, and no, I don't know all of what their customs were in this, but, but this incense, this aroma that went up before the Lord was pleasing. And, and he was there doing his duty. People are outside and they're praying. And all of a sudden, you have it. <laughs> Can you imagine the moment? The angel appeared. John, I may be out of order here, but I have some pictures of, of this scene that artists have, have tried to render what maybe that looked like. Artists uh, centuries back, that moment when the angel was there. You can see the people that are outside supposedly praying and up front is Zechariah and the angel. Can you feel the moment of him doing his duty? Hey, he's done this before. And now in the next verse, silence is about to be broken. 400 years. And silence is about to be broken. Let's listen to what was said first. Verse 13. But the angel of the Lord said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call him John, his name John. Folks, that tells me and you that he's been praying for a long time. How many years has John and Elizabeth been praying for a child? not hearing anything from God. And the angel says, hey man, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. God's heard your prayer. You're going to have a son. Let's keep going. Verse 14. And you will have joy and gladness 
and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit of the power of of Elijah and turn the hearts of fathers to their children. Doesn't that sound familiar? And disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Can you hear the words of Malachi chapter 4? He will turn the hearts of children, of fathers to their children. Four hundred years of silence, God hadn't spoken. And we have a prophecy being mentioned and about to be fulfilled. And Zechariah said to the angel, uh, excuse me just a second. How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is, uh, how can I say it, uh, advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. There's two angels mentioned by name, Michael and Gabriel. Gabriel happens to be here. He says, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you you will be silent. Silence. (laughs) And you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place. Because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah and were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them. And they realized that he had, he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service had ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away the reproach among people. See, they, they looked down on her because she was barren. Joel, what does this have to do with Christmas? I thought we were coming to adore Jesus Christ, the King. Well, as the silence had to be broken. The 400 years of silence had to be broken, and, and, and this prophecy uh, fulfilled through their sons, Zechariah and Elizabeth's son, John, the, we know him as John the Baptist. Preparing the way for the King had to happen. There are several applications that I believe you and I can take away from this first look at Luke chapter 1. The first one is this. The 
Don't interpret God's silence in your life as God's inactivity in your life. Jot that down. Make note of that. When you pray and pray and pray and call out to God and it feels like he is just hitting the ceiling and, and God's not hearing me, I, I, I don't, what do I listen to? What do I listen for, Joel? I've never heard his voice. I, I don't know how to listen. I want to hear from God, but I don't know how to hear from God. Silence. And I want to encourage you, don't interpret silence as inactivity. Because listen, in those 400 years of silence, God was at work. God was setting the stage. He was preparing uh, for things to come, for getting it ready for the, the advancement of the gospel around the world. King Herod uh, was, was in power. In fact, uh, the Assyrian, the Persian Empire ruled the, that part of the world. And in three, let me make sure I get the date correct, uh, 334 to 323 B.C., the Persian Empire was, uh, was overthrown. The, the world power became uh, Rome and Greece. Alexander the Great, he did his, made his run at things. Several empires happened in that time frame. The Roman Empire put ro a road system, the Roman road was put into place. Paul traveled all over those roads in his ministry. God was at work. He wasn't speaking, but he was at work. And today I need to encourage somebody that feels like it has been forever since you've heard from God. Don't mistake that as if God's not doing anything in your life. For we know that all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose and who love him. God's at work in your life. You may be going through a difficult, difficult season. And how did James, well, how did James counsel us to consider it joy? Because God is at work in your life, man. He's producing perseverance in your life so that you may be complete, not lacking anything. What did the angel say to Zechariah? Don't be afraid, for God has heard your prayers. I want to encourage you today to not give up on praying. You may have been praying for years for something. Don't give up. Keep praying. Keep going before God. And letting your requests be known to him. God's voice can be heard here. That's, that's his mode of communication with me most of the time. I, I've never, now there may be someone in the room that has, that has heard the, the audible voice of God. I, I don't know. I've never experienced that. It's never, that's never been part of my faith journey. It is usually when I'm here. In these 66 books, God's voice has been recorded in written word. And I want to encourage you to get in his word. We could all read God's word more 
Amen? Keep praying. Stay in his word. Just because you don't hear from God doesn't mean he's not doing something in your life. Don't confuse the two. Second application for our lives is this. God's timing is always on time. It's always on time. He's an on-time God. Though we accuse him of being late all the time, don't we? Man, we get in the middle of a storm. Things are getting difficult in our life. God, where are you? Why don't you answer my prayer now? I need this now. He said, Elizabeth will have, this will come to pass in, in his time. God is an on-time God. And if you're here today and you've been waiting and you've been waiting and you've been saying, God, why are you so late? Just be reminded that God is an on-time God. His timing is perfect. Your waiting has a purpose. What you're going through has a purpose. Continue to seek God. So, so not only should we not interpret silence as inactivity, we should also remember that he's always on time. And here's the third application. Nothing is impossible with God. What did, what did Zechariah say to the angel, remember? Uh, how's this going to be? How, how is this going to I'm an old man. And my wife is, uh, she's mature. And she's continuing to mature. I'm not going to call my wife old because then I'll be in trouble. But uh, she's advanced in years. How's this going to be? You ever ask God how? God, how am I going to? How am I going to pay the bills this Christmas season and get my kiddos the presents that they're expecting? How am I going to pay the bills and throw down a feast for Thanksgiving like my whole family is expecting with when everyone comes over? How am I going to do it? God, how is our marriage going to make it? I don't, how, how are we going to do this? How, have you asked God how? 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 And today I want to remind you and encourage you because we see it here. The God of how can do anything. Your how is not too big for God. Be encouraged by that. God can handle what you're going through. Nothing is impossible. Forget, hey, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but look over in Luke chapter 1, uh, verse 34. Mary asked the same thing. The angel came to her and said, you're going to have a child. <laughs> and she said, how? Uh, <laughs> I'm not an educated person, never been to college, but I do understand how the child conception thing works and how's this going to be why didn't she get muted why didn't why didn't why didn't the angel close her mouth 
She asked how. Have you asked God how? How is this going to happen? How? Nothing is impossible for God. Therefore, today I want to encourage you not to put limits on God. Don't put limits on him and what he can do in your life. You may even feel like your life is so messed up that there's no way God can use you. Don't put limits on God. You may think that you've messed up so bad that there's no way that God could ever forgive you of your sins. Okay, we hear that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. But there's no way he could have died for all of my sins because I have too many of them. I'm telling you, there are people that think that. And today, I've just got to remind you that God loves every single person. No matter what they've gone through, no matter what they've done, no matter what has happened to them, there is no one that is beyond the reach of God's love. He loves you so much that his son died for you so that you wouldn't have to. Don't put limits on God. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Say it. That saved a wretch like me. God's grace is so big. God's love is so vast, man. Don't you dare put limits on what God can and wants to do in your life. Don't do it. Don't do it. The fourth thing I would encourage you to jot down today. If God says to do something, just do it. Just obey. I mean, it's the same thing with our children, right? We tell our children to do something. We would much rather that they argue, sass back a little bit, huh? Take their time to do what we've asked them to do. Take the garbage out. Let me finish this. Let me finish. Do we do the same thing? God puts something on your heart. Go serve those people. Go do something for, for this person. Joel, spend more time in the word. Joel, spend more time in prayer. God lays things on your heart. He convicts your soul to do something. Today's the day. Give your heart to me. I want you. God says, I want you to be one of my children. And you go, ah, let me finish this. When I, when I get ready, when I finish when I, when I reach this place in my career, then I will. But not now. I, I'm busy. I got things to do. God says, no, I want you today, man. I want you today. Give me your heart today. One of the life applications that you and I need to, can walk away from with this story is if God asks you to do something, just do it. God's asking for your heart today, give it. Give it. Why wait? Why put that off? Simply ask him to forgive you of your sins. Recognize that God loves you that much that he, he took care of the sin problem for you with his son, Jesus. Jesus died and took our place that we deserved. We deserved the death. But God said, I got a plan for you. I'm going to send my son Jesus to die and take the place 
pay for your sin, pay, take, pay the price, take the punishment. All I ask of you is to trust in him as your Savior. Trust him. Is God asking that of you today? If so, obey. Let's be silent for just a moment. wonder if you're here today and uh, you're under the impression that God has forgotten about you. You're under the impression that God has stopped listening to you. You're under the impression that God is unaware of the difficult things that you're going through. Is that you today? God wants you to know that his timing is always right. And just because he's silent doesn't mean that he's not doing, he's not up to something. God's at work in your life today. Don't interpret his silence as inactivity. Are you here today facing impossible circumstances? Difficult decisions at work, at home? Are you facing um, situations that you have no idea how to move forward? Can I just tell you that and remind you that nothing is impossible with God? Cry out to him. Cry out to him today. And in the same way the angel spoke to, to Zechariah, fear not, God has heard. Be, be encouraged by that, that God hears when we cry out to him. Are you worried about how you're going to pay the bills this Christmas? How would you finish the sentence, God, how will I? I wonder if you're here today and you've heard God's, God's voice directing you in, towards something he wants you to do, a person that he wants you to speak to, someone that he wants you to go and seek their forgiveness, someone that he wants you to go and tell the good news of Jesus. I mean, have you heard God put something on your heart? Maybe not his voice out loud, but he is, it's heavy on you to go. It's the day, the day you just need to say, okay, I will. I'm not going to say, but first let me. No, no. Today is the day you say, okay, I will. 
God, I will try to restore that relationship in my family. It's been broken for way too long. And today I just need to take the step and take the first step to start mending that wounded relationship. And maybe you're here today and you hear God saying, it's time for you to give me your heart. I, I need you to trust me. You may not get everything. You may not understand everything. But today, you know that today, you've tried everything else in your life. And today, you need to surrender your heart to me. And move beyond just being one of my creations to becoming one of my children. And that happens when you trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Father, we come before you and, and we lay all this before you. Lord, I don't know the content of everyone's heart in this room. But I know you do. And I know you're good and I know you have a plan. You have a plan for every single person in here. There are those here today, Lord, that need prayer. There are those here today that, that need to surrender for for the calling, the direction that you have, things that you've asked them to do. There are those here today, Lord, that, that need to be reminded that there is nothing impossible with you, and they need to find security and comfort in that. There are those that are here today that need to trust in you, and your son Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Today be the day of their salvation. So, Father, I would ask that you would, you would move and do only what you can do. Thank you for this story of Zechariah and Elizabeth. Thank you for the lessons that, that we can learn. Thank you for John that, that prepared the way for the Lord. Thank you for breaking the silence and setting the stage for the King of kings and the Lord of lords to be born. I pray this in your holy name. Amen.